Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. What would happen in your life? The bottom came out. Some of you may have already experienced that, and you know you've experienced it in your life. How strong would your commitment to Christ be? Or is it only while God is giving you a good row to hoe, a good trail to travel, that your commitment to Christ is strong? What happens if everything is taken away from you in this life, and your world is turned inside out and upside down. Is your commitment to Christ still as strong? What if being shipwrecked or imprisoned was a threat when you were going on a missions trip? Would we still go if we really felt God was calling us? Believe it or not, this is just some of what Paul faced as he served God. Today, Pastor David lays before us what Paul endured and how he approached those who criticized his ministry. Paul saw all that he endured as proof that God was with him. And he was eager not to brag, but to share how God had been faithful. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Love in the Midst of Conflict. Again, it gives a rather lengthy declaration or this defense against these enemies from Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look down in verse 22. These that had come against him, they were speaking that they were, we're more Christian than you are. Where you get that level, I don't know. We've come from a strong Jewish background and now we're more Christian than you are. They're putting themselves above Paul in all kinds of places. And so Paul writes these things in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 down in verse 22. He begins, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Well, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Okay, I'm gonna speak as a fool, he says here. I am more. Now, he understands that's just kind of a crazy thing to say, but that's what these guys were saying, that they were more Christian than Paul. But he goes on. He says, in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. In other words, the 39 stripes that were legal for the Jews to give someone. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day. I've been in, or a night and a day, I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily. 
my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, he says, under Aratus, the, the king, he was guarding the city of the Damascus with a garrison, and he was desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and I escaped from his hands. He goes on now into chapter 12 uh, about seeing this vision that the Lord gave him. But when you skip down uh, to verse 6 of chapter 12, he says, For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Beloved, I don't know about you, but that seems to be to, to be quite the Christian missionary resume. And then I have to ask the question, do you really want to go into ministry? And I think that I would probably take any young person who's desiring to go into ministry. Well, let's take a look and see what it really involves. Do you, are, you, are you ready to, to, to experience these kinds of things? Are you so surrendered in your life that you're willing to subject yourself to this kind of thing. Now we might think, well, today in our culture today, that's not like that. We just simply start a little Bible study. People come along, the church grows. You finally get some property in a building. More people come, the church grows. And yet, beloved, you need to understand that even in the simplicity and even in the relative comfort of what we have in our culture, there's still a tremendous amount of battles that come our way. I've not been in prison for the gospel. I've never been shipwrecked, neither for a day or a night or an hour. I've, I've never been uh, uh, beaten with rods, and I've never been stoned, either with rocks or the other kind. I've never been stoned, okay? <laughs> but yet there's battles that go on in ministry. There's situations that go on in ministry that a lot of times, you know, people don't see. And I believe that Paul is writing these things to this church in Corinth who were putting him in such a way that who is Paul and what's the deal with Paul and, and why is Paul, why, what's the significance of Paul? And Paul says, let me explain to you what's involved in ministry, especially in that time and that culture. Men with a whole lot less of a, of a confidence and, and certainty in their call would definitely say, hey, see, I'm out of here. I, I'm not going to go through all of that. But if God is your strength, and God is your call, and God is directing, and beloved, woe be to the man or the woman that says, no, I want to take the easier route. I don't want to open myself up to these things. Paul knew that in the midst of all of these difficulties, all of these attacks that were coming from, from that portion of the church of Corinth, that God's call was absolutely sure in his life. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to maintain all of this. He recognized that there were still many in Corinth who, recognizing the anointing of God in his life, they still loved him, they still supported him with those words of encouragement and those prayers and that's why he says back there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, you're also helping me together with all of your prayers, your prayers for us and your thanks that have been given. Again, 
how, how powerful that was. Paul, like every other missionary or ministry, depended upon the faithful prayers of the saints for that ongoing work of ministry, for strength and for encouragement. I know that there were times in Paul's life, we read it in the books of Acts, where, where Paul got discouraged, man, he was in, in prison, he was probably wondering, man, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right direction? And yet it was in that time that the Holy Spirit, remember, came to him, hey, Paul, you be strong. I'm gonna be with you, and, and they're not gonna take your life, and you go on, you, you go, because I still have a lot for you to do. I'm, I'm sure that Paul in his humanity had those times, but again, because of his relationship with Christ, because of the work of the Holy Spirit within his life, he was continually being encouraged there. But how much more powerfully it was for him to know that there were individuals, not only in Corinth, but also in Ephesus and in Troas and a multitude of churches and places that, that were praying for him because they cared for him, because they knew that God's call was on his life. So let's back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 12 now, if we could. That's just the introduction for this evening. So uh, <laughs> let's go on in verse 12. Paul says, our boasting is this, the, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. So still writing in this way of defense uh, you know, for his own ministry, Paul writes, even as he often, as we see it in a lot of his writings, he writes in kind of the language of, of, of the courtroom, he says our conscience testifies of these things. It's been a witness for us. He's not doing this again. He's not doing it in a boastful way. But Paul, but Paul does say, I, I do boast. The, this one thing I do boast about. And that's the confidence that I have of a good conscience. That I've not done the wrong thing. That I have done the right thing. And he says, I have good conscience concerning the testimony of my conduct among them there in Corinth as well as within the world. He says he's lived his life in simplicity and godly sincerity. In reference to simplicity, Paul, Paul told the Philippian church, if you remember, that he had learned to be content in whatever situation he found himself. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or, I mean Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, he says, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I, I, everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full as well as to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me ask you, church, even right now, in your relationship with Christ, what happened, what would happen in your life if the bottom came out? Some of you may have already experienced that, and you know, you, you, you've experienced it in your life. How strong would your commitment to Christ be? Or is it only while God is giving you a good row to hoe, a good trail to travel, that your commitment to Christ is strong? What happens if everything is taken away from you in this life, and your world is turned inside out and upside down? Is your commitment to Christ still as strong my hope and my prayer would be is that if that happened, your commitment would actually get even stronger because you would know, man, 
There ain't nothing in this world to hold on to. There's nothing in this world that is sustainable. There's nothing in this world, in this physical realm, that will remain the same until the end. The only foundation that you and I have is our foundation in Christ. And beloved, if you're not founded in that strong foundation, you know what my hope and prayer is for you? Is that God would rock your foundation until you find the real and true foundation being Christ. And in the midst of rocking your foundation, that he would open your eyes to the truth of who Christ is and where your strength is found, where your, 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 your peace is found, where your contentment is found. Paul says, man, I've learned to be content no matter what. When, I, when I'm absolutely poor and not having a thing at all, it's okay, I'm content. Hey, if I've got a lot of stuff, man, my, my cabinets are full, there's a full tank of gas in the car, all the bills are paid, man, I, I'm content, but not because of that. It's because of my relationship with Christ. Regardless of the stage of his life, Paul basically lived his life, I believe, in relative simplicity. He didn't get tangled up in the affairs and the attractions of the world. He says, I've lived it in simplicity, but not just in a material type of a way. I believe that Paul also conducted himself in a manner of continued holiness to the Lord, that that idea of a, a godly sincerity, a godly sincerity. Paul wanted the church at Corinth to understand that he was not led by the wisdom or the plans of man. He wasn't even led by the circumstances of the world around him, but he was being led by the will and by the Holy Spirit of God. And in particular, as it pertains to that relationship here with the church at Corinth, Paul wanted to make sure that they understood, hey, you know what? Man, I'm all in on this thing. He wasn't speaking to them in his own wisdom or or dealing with them in his own strength. Just as he says here, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly even toward you, you, the church there at Corinth. Then in verse 13, he says, we're not writing any other things to you than what you've read or understood. Now, I trust you'll understand even to the end as also you have understood us in part that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, you read that and you think, well, what in the world does he mean there when he says, we're not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand? Apparently, there were some that felt that Paul was writing in such a way that they had to read between the lines, that there was something that Paul was saying, but he was actually meaning something else. And they felt that uh, Paul is telling them, Right here, he says, what I wrote to you is exactly what I meant. There's no secret meanings. And yet, apparently for some, they they felt that Paul was writing in one way, but really trying to deliver this different message. No, I'm I'm writing exactly what I mean. I'm, I'm wide open to you guys. Now, to be honest with you, there's no doubt that some of Paul's writings are totally difficult. They're definitely difficult. Even today, scholars are amazed at the depth and actually the difficulty of some of Paul's writings. The complexity of thought that he has, the the process that seems to be so intertwined in the doctrines and the theology that Paul writes, and it's absolutely amazing, astonishing. Undoubtedly, 
Paul would have been a force to reckon with if, if you had to stand on a, a debate floor with him in whatever the situation was. He was an intelligent guy. There's no doubt among, about that. Elsewhere, he says, man, above my contemporaries, man, I was excelling. He was a sharp guy. And he was sharp not only in worldly wisdom, but he was sharp in the things of God. And even during this time, many of his uh, contemporaries, they recognize that sometimes there's difficulties in some of his writings and being able to understand them. Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter 3, he says, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom that's given to him. Well, he's written to you, and, and, and as also in all of his apostles, speaking in them these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of scriptures. So yeah, there's some stuff that Paul wrote that people had a hard time understanding, but I don't think that's the case here in Corinth. In Corinth, we see in 1 Corinthians and we see even as we go on in 2 Corinthians, there's no great doctrinal depths that are shown in either one of these books. He's just pretty much talking about different issues, and this is how you need to deal with it. You got an issue with this, this is how you need to deal with it. You know, you guys got an issue with this. This is the direction you need to go. Paul's very straightforward in the books of First and Second Corinthians. No hidden agenda here. And so, again, Paul, I think he himself, he was probably frustrated that he wasn't able to communicate deeper with the church there in Corinth than what he was. We remember in 1 Corinthians, back in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, and I, brethren, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnals, as babes in Christ. I had to continue to feed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you're not able to receive it, and even now, you're still not able. So Paul knew, Corinth isn't the one that I'm going to give the deep theological truths like he did the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians, deep, solid theological truths that are there. In Corinth, it was a very practical. That's why it's so practical for us to understand that the same issues that are happening in the church at Corinth are the same issues that happen in the church today. Paul wanted the church to understand and to grow. And so here, in this case, no deep doctrines, just simple words of correction, instruction. And because of that, some people thought that he meant more because Paul's writings were usually deeper. He probably means something else different here. Have you ever gotten a letter from someone or an email from someone and they said this and this, but you really knew that they meant this and this because of what's going on? Yeah, you try and guess what they're really saying. Well, that's what's happening here. But because of his great love, through all of this, Paul's love, his concern for the church, I mean, every time I read this, I'm absolutely amazed that he still is working with them. Even even in all the grief he received from them, he continued on to place them as a testimony of his life and his ministry. You want to know what my life was about? Look at that church over in Corinth that I started years ago. That's what God has called me to do. And, of course, a lot of people would probably look at the church in Corinth and say, that church is a mess. But uh, Paul, Paul knew that yet in the midst of that culture, the, the, the perversity of that pagan culture that surrounded that church, within that, even with all the issues, there was a strong core of believers who truly loved the Lord Jesus. And Paul says, man, you're, you're as much my boast as hopefully I am of yours. Paul knew 
that his ministry had made a difference in the lives of many of the people there in Corinth. And he wasn't going to let those naysayers and those uh, distractors rob him of that joy. Because of his love for him, he had planned to visit Corinth actually twice in a short period of time. Look with me at verse 15. He writes, And in this confidence, his boast for them, his love for them, the, the reality of the testimony of their lives, in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit, to pass by way of you to Macedonia and then to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way going back to Judah or Judea. In other words, on his way back to Jerusalem. Remember, part of this time, he was collecting gifts for the church in Jerusalem that was going through great, great financial struggles due to the famine that was going on there and the struggles within the church. And what Paul's plan was is, listen, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to leave here from Ephesus and I'm going to travel over to Corinth and I'm going to visit you guys, visit you guys for a while. Then I'm going to go on up to Macedonia and then I'm going to come back down to you guys and I'm probably going to spend quite an extended time. I'm going to stay with you maybe through the winter. So that's what he had written to them. That's what they understood. But unfortunately, that didn't work out that way. And the verse that first comes to mind with me when, whenever I read this is Proverbs 16, 9, where it says that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can plan and purpose in our life, and yet, man, we do it with a full heart. We do it with a great desire. We believe that it's led by the Lord, and yet suddenly, man, things change, and the Lord directs us in a different way. And perhaps that's exactly what's taken place here with Paul. Perhaps Paul had planned to take that opportunity to visit Corinth both before and after he had gone to Macedonia. Undoubtedly, he had shared with him his desire to do that in that earlier writing, but the Lord redirected his path. So if the journey had gone as planned, though, you need to understand his first visit would have been the first time that he visited them in three years since the planting of the church. As it turns out, he he made the first visit, but the conflict was so great in that first visit that when he went up to Macedonia, he did not come back again. He went from Macedonia back over to Ephesus and then down to Judea. Because again, all that it turned out, as it turns out, that that conflict had been so intense that he wasn't going to make that second trip. And that seemed to be a real problem with some of the people. They, they started saying, well, he's really flaky. You know, he says he's going to come and see us, and he doesn't come and see us. He makes all these plans and all these desires and stuff, and then all of a sudden he flakes out on us. And so all this, again, this, this backbiting, this murmuring, this complaining that's going on with all of it. Again, they began to accuse Paul of being double-minded. They accuse him of being flighty in his ministry decisions. Look what verse 17 says. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me, they're, they're on one hand is yes, yes, but on the other, it's no, no. But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. And then he just puts in this theological truth. He says, for all the promises of God in Christ, in him, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us.
We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a church home and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. When we began The Open Word radio ministry, our heart's desire was to get the message of God's kingdom and His grace to as many as possible. We knew that there'd be many who wouldn't come through the church door, but would perhaps tune into a radio program and be challenged and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of God's Word. God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. And yet, as with any ministry endeavor, there are expenses that happen through the production and distribution of these messages. If God has blessed you with the teaching, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in a financial commitment to the ministry of The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help the message of God's grace extend and grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word. Make us more and more.